gear up as Cash Miller and a team of accomplished guests steer you on an enlightening voyage filled with valuable tips, fresh insights, and effective strategies. Welcome to Marketing Masters, the agency power show. Hello, everyone. This is Cash Miller. I'm the host of Marketing Masters, CEO of Titan Digital. Today, I've got Tim Fullerton of Fullerton Strategies. We're going to be talking about changes with Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, um, and also how you know different social media platforms are really kind of trying to compete because you've got like threads have come out through Instagram slash Meta, Facebook, you know, but you know the kind of traction it's actually getting, what's really changed about Twitter because of Musk taking over. So this is going to be a little different than our normal episodes, you know, where we'll, we'll focus on a topic because, you know, social platforms are, you know, they vary. And, you know, when things, dramatic changes happen as an advertiser, you got to really take that into account. Tim, it's great to have you on. Tell us a little bit about, um, you know, you, your agency, but also your background because your background's is really interesting. Well, thanks, Cash, for having me on. It's uh, exciting to be here. Um, so uh, the last six months, I've uh, been running my own uh, digital marketing agency called Fullerton Strategies, which uh, mostly provides like fractional CMO support uh, to clients, both big and small. Um, and, you know, it's been my first six months outside of uh, or out of house, I guess I should say, uh, which has been great. I've got a roster of a few clients, which has been really, really exciting so far. Uh, before that, I spent about 20 years in both uh, both the corporate world and also the political world. So for the last five, I was a VP of marketing at WeWork, which I know everybody is familiar with and could probably take up four podcasts worth of discussion. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm going to leave that, leave that one for today. But I, um, uh, before that, I was the chief digital officer for the state of New York. Um, I was in the Obama administration for five years running digital strategy at the Interior Department, and I was also on the uh, Obama for President campaign in 2008 in Chicago, running uh, part of the email program. So big mix of uh, a pretty diverse background, I guess you could say. Well, it's that mix that helps, you know, because like say today's you know conversation, you know, we're talking about Twitter, X, you know, and really the platforms changed a lot. And so, you know, throughout your career, you know, I'm sure, you know, you've had to use the platform from an advertising standpoint and stuff. So you're very familiar with, you know, where it was and, you know, so you can see the differences, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, I've done it from the WeWork side and I've done it from the political and the nonprofit side. And I think I, I think I signed up for Twitter in 2007. So I have been on the platform for, uh, what is that, 16 years now, which seems insane. So, so yeah, I'm uh, uh, very familiar with the whole trajectory of it, obviously, but what I will say is a mess of the last nine months or so. Yeah, so let's let's start this off by talking about pre-Musk, you know, and where Twitter was. And, you know, I guess go through how advertisers have been a they were previously able to use the platform. So we can establish kind of, um, you know, a base of where it was, you know, like what, when advertisers got on there, who were they trying to reach and stuff? And also what were they able to do on the platform? You know, and then we'll go into what's changed about it since. Yeah. So, I mean, really, uh, Twitter has been the digital town square, uh, for the internet for 10 years now or so. And, uh, it was really the place that you would go for breaking news, uh, for political discussions. Um, you know, if the Grammys were happening or the Super Bowl, that's where people went to talk about 
culturally relevant events. And yes, it was driven, uh, ma the majority of it was driven by news and politics, but there was all sorts of things that you could do on there. There was all sorts of communities. And, you know, if it, you, you had a straight feed at one point where you could literally just follow along what mm -hmm. um, everyone you follow is doing, which there's still many of us, myself included, would love to go back there, even though I know that is unlikely on any social platform at this point. Um, and, and really, like, it was, um, you know, there's no talk of these, like, shadow bands or, like, you know, promoting content over others. It was literally, like, the the ideas and the the creativeness was what ruled the day and that's where you saw some of the greatest uh uh, uh tweets came mm -hmm. from people with very few followers because it just was something very creative and um yeah i mean it had its problems verification issues and i know financially there were some challenges as well but um i you know and i think a lot of people talk about this but like it was my favorite social platform for a long time uh, and now it's one of the ones I like the least. Yeah, because I mean, it, the platform was, you know, a lot of it was breaking news and it was discussions that you could have, you know, between people. And they had to do a lot of policing, you know, because you, know, you yeah. get people saying things. And, it, you know, we say, yes, you have First Amendment rights and things, you know, you say, you know, what you want to a certain degree. But, you know, like I say, if it's depending on where you were going with that, they had to monitor stuff. We don't want hate speech and things like that going on. Yeah. So Twitter had like 6,000, you know, employees, give or take, you know, that were taking care of this. And I think that's one of the things that people don't realize how many people, you know, because you think of it as like a single website and stuff, what it takes, the effort and, you know, to be able to manage a platform like that. Well, the reality is that managing any of these social platforms is incredibly difficult and will always make somebody mad. But um, when they did have those thousands of people, much like Meta does on with Facebook and Instagram, mm -hmm. thousands and thousands of people, it is necessary because there are always going to be bad actors and there are always going to be people who are trying to uh, get attention by doing you know things that aren't appropriate. And the reality is, you know, and I hear and I respect the conversations about the First Amendment, but like what a lot of people are also missing is that businesses have a right to decide what is being shared on their platform and what is not. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that is very important uh, because they don't want to get sued. And I know there's there's laws out there regulating what, you know, you could sue social media companies for uh, for what's posted, but but they do also, it's there's a lot of uh, work that's done, not just for hate speech and things like that, but also these just horrific, like, uh, it happened on Twitter recently. There was somebody shared uh, some form of uh, child pornography. Yeah. Like these are the things that need to be policed constantly. There are awful videos of animal violence that keep getting popping up on people's mm -hmm. feeds. Like, yeah. and these are the things that you need. AI can do some, but you need people on the judgment calls. And yeah. when you take that away, you essentially are incentivizing hate and you're turning whatever platform you choose to get rid of those people on uh, to just a swamp. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that, you know, when you don't see it, it's in the background. It doesn't mean it wasn't happening. It was mean, it means people were catching it. And then suddenly when it's not getting caught and you see it, then, of course, the uproar, you know, comes along, you know, with that kind of thing. And we say, well, why are we seeing this? You know, advertisers, you know, for a long time has been the issue, whether you're on, you know, it could be a mainstream TV network, but like YouTube's had a lot of problems. Um, 
times, you know, of ads being shown on channels that the advertiser, you know, deemed inappropriate, you know, for, and they don't want to be associated with. And often people will associate an ad with that. They're watching it or it showed up in their feed and then you suddenly have this brand. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a monster problem and it will, it continues to be a problem. You know, YouTube, slash Google continues to struggle with this. And, you know, I think that for the most part, they do their best, but, you know, they've made some decisions where they're deciding to allow any political speech, whether even if it's misinformation or talk about January 6th, to go up because we're in an election year. And I think that, you know, uh, it's a really difficult call, uh, but it just shows the importance of content moderation. Like you have to have content moderation or everybody will end up where really Twitter is now. Yeah, you do. And, you know, because I think one of the things that I've, I've often pointed out to people in different years, because when they say, well, we should be, you know, it's similar, like they'll try to compare it to like news sites and things like that. But the news chooses what it publishes, you know, and these are private companies, or even if they're publicly traded, they're still their businesses. You know, you, you, you are agreeing to their terms of service that you are going to abide by if you use the platform. And they've been ex, you know, explicit of what you can and cannot do on their platform because it's still their platform. It's not yours to say whatever you want. And I think that's the thing that people miss or maybe they choose to miss so that they can make big noise out of this is that these businesses are essentially allowing you or they're allowing you in. And, you know, you, you agree, we all agree. Also, we mostly don't read them, but like we all agree (laughs) to, but that's our choice. Um, And, you know, click the button to say we agree. And everyone says that. And so, you know, when like uh, Donald Trump, for example, decides to continue to try to incite on Twitter uh, with violent rhetoric, Jack Dorsey and the team had every, every right in their power to shut him down. And I would argue it was the right thing to do. And it's a, but it is difficult, but you, you know, and I think it points also to needing probably clear uh, terms of service and guidance around yeah. these things so that like there is an ambiguity. Now he's going to say no matter what, when he breaks laws, but like in most cases, you know, I think if you point to, you know, very specific rules and guidance, people will either, you know, either follow them or understand where they ran afoul. Yeah, that's a, definitely the case, you know, so yeah, and most people don't read the terms and stuff. If they would, you know, they would understand, you know, what they can and cannot do. But you, you still agree to them whether you read them or not, in which case the company has the right to enforce them. You know, um, let's talk. OK, Musk is, you know, he t- comes in and, you know, we've got you've got pre and, you know, as a platform, lots of large brands use have used it to communicate with, you know, their customers. It's one of the biggest things It's kind of, you know, always be relevant in the conversation. I think of some of the things that have gone on of like Wendy's and McDonald's and stuff, you know, kind of having their verbal spats and they do it, you know, in a fun manner, you know, to because it becomes, you know, it's noticeable, um, you know, and Twitter, if you look at, you know, how many tweets have been copied and showed up, you know, in news sites, you know, and saying, hey, so-and-so said this, you know, you get a whole article built around what somebody said on Twitter. It's always been very relevant and big brands have always wanted to be in front of that 250 to 300 million-ish. They've, you know, they plateaued years ago where they have never been able to grow it. You have sports stars, same thing. They're all part of the conversation and saying things and, and whatnot. And, yeah, so now Musk comes along 
you know, we all know about, you know, the 44 billion or whatever that he ended up paying for this platform. And then, you know, since then, you know, he took over what, nine months or whatever ago and stuff, the number of changes and so many bad rollouts. I mean, it's one thing after another that they, you know, he cut the staff by what, two thirds, you know, in multiple rounds of layoffs. Yeah. And then he's made numerous changes. So let's talk about some of these changes that, you know, he's instituted lately. Yeah, I mean, the list is so long, um, and it's kind of hard to remember. <laughs> it's hard to remember which ones stuck and which ones are you know, I know. been undone well, again. I, I think the de- most devastating one that he did, and he, he toyed around with it and finally implemented it, was to basically blow up the verification uh, yeah. policy and program that they had, which that program was specifically meant to just signify that the account that you are reading has been verified by Twitter as the person that they say they are. That's it. There was no like lifting of content um, or anything like that. It it, it was just to say who you were. And it was mostly for politicians and reporters and well-known people. They did sort of, they did um, expand it at one point, which is I actually was verified on Twitter up until Moss changed. And I had to provide my passport. Like I literally uploaded my passport to them wow. to show them that I was me. And um, I, and yeah, so it was really uh, designed to just validate that a person is who they say they are. Now there were problems with it, and there were problems with how they let certain people in. Like I think mine's a, mine's a good example of like there was a little window where they let people apply, and I was at an organization of some size at the point, and I'd been on the political campaigns, so I got it. Uh, and there were problems with that, but what has happened since is when he has completely changed that to pay to play. So if you pay $8 a month, you get verified. Now they don't verify your personal information. There is none of that. There's no license. There's no passport. There's nothing. You just pay and you can call yourself, you know, Musk fan 23 and have a verification. Actually, I think he took that off because it affected him, which is another problem. But, <laughs> yeah. but, 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 but you could say you were, you know, Trump at one point. And I think they fixed a little bit. But what's happened is that the verification is now meaningless. And frankly, yeah. most, most people would be horrified to have the blue check now. I don't want it back. Like, it, it didn't, wasn't a big deal in the first place, but like they, they completely destroyed it. And now the only people who want the verification are generally, uh, I mean, some business people want it, but also it's like people on the right that just, you know, want something to show some validity to what they are. It's not even like yeah. big personalities. I just mean people with like 50 followers or something. So if you read tweets now, they mm-hmm. push all of the the new Twitter blue, we'll call it rather than verified, the Twitter yeah. blue comments are all at the beginning. And if you look at the replies in a lot of tweets, it's the most insane Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's just the most insane, like a lot of racist and sexist and just really crude yeah. stuff, which just basically makes it uh, impossible to to read. Hmm. Yeah. So, and the, and he did it. So this is you know when he first took over, he clobbered. You know, he he freaked out a lot of the advertisers. Yeah, and especially as he started cutting staff, and you get more bad content on there 
you know, in which case more advertisers started pulling their budgets and whatnot. And, you know, and Twitter wasn't making money to begin with, even when he took over. Now he starts slashing costs with the idea that if I cut all these costs then it can make money, but you also ended up, you know, as the platform, you know, became unstable, you ended up with a lot of uh, people that, you know, advertisers that left the platform, in which case you kill, you kill your revenue, you know, at the same time. So like, okay, great, you cut your costs and then your revenue went with it anyway. You know, so now you're back to square one. Yet now, and that's why I like the blue check marks came along, okay, I could charge for this, you know, and we can do these verifications. And then it was, hey, the system's rolled out. No, it's not working correctly. Now it's back, you know, it's, there's been a lot of stops and starts, you know, with it, um, you know, for different programs they've rolled out. Yeah, I mean, it's been chaos. I mean, I think that's the easiest way to say it. At first, he came in and he laid off two thirds of the team, pretty much all of the product managers, some of the engineers. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say some of those layoffs were also really public. <laughs> you know, not just the well, numbers, he, but the the way he went about some of them. Well, and he just treated them with no respect, right? He's like, we don't mm-hmm. need these people. Da da da. It's you know, and like, look, layoffs are hard. Every company has them. I've experienced like being at places that have had them. There's not a great way to do it, but you know, mocking people or saying they're useless out the door isn't really a good, and it's not a good signal to brands either. And then, you know, uh, they're down to like 2,000, 2,500 or something. And the Twitter infrastructure is incredibly complex. There's nothing like it. So yeah. then you are, you are took away all like, like several layers of, of people who knew this stuff. And it takes a lot to keep that going. I mean, they were, you know, like I said, 300, 400 million daily users, like keeping that yeah. something like that going is very difficult. And then you couple it with, you know, him, uh, you know, talking about how the media is, is not to be trusted and, you know, all of this, you know, all of this yeah. crazy stuff he talks about and brands don't want to be in the political conversation, right? Like they, yeah. it's toxic enough as it is. And he basically made that impossible for them. So, yeah, I mean, they, you know, I think he lost like 25, 50% of the revenue, maybe even more which I'm sorry, but you can't make that up with $8 a month subscriptions. It is yeah. not possible to do that. Yeah. Cause there's not, you're not going to get enough people willing to pay for it. Yeah. And a lot of times, like you can see high user numbers, you know, like the number of accounts and things like that, but how many are active is a different story. You know, I say, I know, you know, I've got a Twitter account. Occasionally I get somebody trying to log into the thing, but I don't log into it anymore. You know, it's just, I say the platforms become so bad. Yeah, it's like, well, why bother? Yeah, so it's it it's a lot. There's so much change. You know, everybody's it's like this ridiculous roller coaster that eventually it doesn't come to a stop. It runs off the rails. Right, and I think that we're witnessing the slow burn of that. You know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, it's going to crash immediately, and like, you know, that would probably be highly unlikely, and it didn't. But I think he is hell-bent on running out the people who actually built Twitter, whether it's the employees or it's the people who were producing all the content, which was frankly most of the verified users. And something like 80% of the content or something like that came from like one or 2% of of the users. Like a lot of people just watched, like they they just lurked, right? And he has basically given them all uh, the double middle finger. And so, how is he going to replace that content 
And the reality is like, you know, if you look on your for you page, which they forced on everybody, it's just a landmine of garbage. Like, I'm sorry, but I don't want to see people talking about how vaccines cause autism because they don't. And like they're and it's not a debate. They don't. Uh, Or some right wing person making some horrifically sexist comments about women. I don't want to see it. And so yeah. if I'm the individual who doesn't want to see it, you know, imagining the folks at the large agencies or the brands going, we don't want to show up next to some guy who got kicked off the platform three years ago for spouting pseudo like Nazi support. Like, come yeah. on, like it doesn't make it. It's just it's crazy. Yeah. Well, let's talk. OK, so now now his latest stunt, you know, is that, OK, it's not Twitter anymore. You know, you've got, you know, what, 15 years or something, a little bit longer than that, of brand equity built up. Yeah. And you're going to name it X. You know, literally, you know, and I get you got SpaceX and all of that. But, yeah, it's like now you're destroying the brand equity. You know, everything I see, I read news articles and if you see a, like a post or something, you know, it's X formerly known as Twitter. You know, that's yeah, it's like, it's, like the, it's like the Prince thing, right? When he changed his name to the symbol, it was like the yeah, artist formerly right? known as Prince. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, and even the rollout of their own signage went wrong. I mean, they put up the sign on the building and stuff and they were like, you don't have a permit. <laughs> they made them take it down. I mean, yeah. if, he, if you could do it wrong, I mean, this is supposed to be a guy that's like, you know, brilliant and he has done some brilliant business things just not with twitter yeah Uh, well and i think that i think that you know i I don't think i've ever seen outside of somebody who's committed a horrific crime or something i don't think i've seen somebody torpedo their personal brand as fast as as elon musk has and and i you know and i think that uh the, the the trouble for him with that is that when people really start to look at SpaceX and Tesla in particular, not so much PayPal, but those two, he bought those from people. Everyone sort of assumed that he started those companies from scratch. And the reality is that he didn't. And so now all of a sudden you've got him, you know, at the reins here on a completely different business model, right? He's not selling cars and he's not selling government contracts for, Mm -hmm. for space. He is dealing directly with the public and it is, it, I think it's showing that, you know, he is brilliant in many ways, like Tesla, what they were able to do is incredible. Like you can't take that yeah. away from them. SpaceX, it's the same, but, but now that he is like solely in charge and unraveling things over on Twitter, like, you know, you've got to question his uh, business acumen in at least certain areas. And I think he is not equipped to run a social media platform. He's never done it before. Yeah. And the other problem is that he only has people around him who say yes. And I yeah. think that is a big problem for many execs, certainly not just him, but like there's nobody there to push back. He's got these advisors like this, David Marks and Jason Calacanis and these people who just pump what he's saying, even though they were saying completely opposite things before like he was in there. And so it's just like, it's just an echo chamber. So he, he's yeah. not even getting the right advice because frankly, he doesn't want it. Yeah, no, he, he does have a tendency of a bit of a God complex, you know, of, yeah, and thinking that he knows better than everybody else. So yes, he surrounds himself with a bunch of yes men and you know people, you know that you know will do whatever he wants because he, you know, he's accumulated a lot of his own power and whatnot. And and he has been successful with his other businesses. Yeah, you know, I'm. What do you think is his, like the his ultimate motivation of you know because it seemed like when he first bought Twitter, you know, 
first it was like, I'll buy it, I'll fix it. Then it's no, I don't want it. And then, you know, okay, well, fine, I'll, I'll buy it because I, you know, I don't have a choice now. You know, so what do you think the end game for Twitter is? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, you hit something really important there that people seem to forget is that he tried to back out of this deal. Like, yeah. he kind of got into it in the very Elon way, right? Like, and, all and Twitter should have let him, too. I know. <laughs> well, I, I mean, if I'm the Twitter board, you have to accept that deal, right? Because that company yeah, wasn't sure. worth 40, that company wasn't oh, worth no. $44 billion. Yeah, no way. So, like, they kind of were stuck with it. And, you know, I think, I think he thought he could just, you know, snap his fingers and have it magically uh, and turn it around. And he's realized yeah. how difficult it is. And I think that. I think what's going to happen and is happening now is that he is creating a self-contained ecosystem to feed his ego and drive, like have basically create the the biggest Elon fanboy network uh, that's out there. I, I just, I, he doesn't want people like me there. And I have, yeah. you know, I have 18,000 followers. It's not like a lot, but it's like some, it's a, you know, decent sure. size. He doesn't want me there. He doesn't want the reporters there. He doesn't want celebs there. Well, certain celebs. So it's like, you know, who are you building for? And it just kind of seems like right now he's just like, I just want a play toy that will just like feed me, like, you know, give me affirmation and tell me how wonderful I am. And you know what? I've sunk $44 billion in this, but guess what? I still have 200. So it doesn't really matter to me. And, you know, I think that it feels like that's going and maybe he dumps it at some point. Uh, I don't uh, think anybody would buy it. Yeah. Yeah. What's he, you know, if anybody, nobody would pay anywhere near what he paid. So, oh, that no. might not be an, you know, if anybody's 50, even. Yeah. It's 50% at, at best. I think that they even Twitter announced that it was like 20, which I highly yeah. doubt. We were probably talking teens, if not like more in the eight to 10 range. I, th- I think with his, with the rebrand, I think he's destroyed any resale value uh, because of the fact that he's caused so many problems that whoever buys it would have to fix them. You know, just and it would take a ton of work just to get back to where it was before he bought it. You know, I don't think that the, you know, yeah, a, a large company like SoftBank or something might be willing to do it. You know, knowing that it's become this huge turnaround thing that you know that it's probably not worth risking that kind of money. Well, the problem is that the 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 people that he's boosting on this platform are not the people that brands want to be in front of for the most yeah. part. And so you're right. Like, you know, you would have to buy it on the cheap, change it back to Twitter. And, mm-hmm. but then you'd have a really, really hard time gaining the trust back from people who have been burned over the last, actually, it's, I'm thinking about it now. It's more like a year, not nine months since he's been in charge. And it's just going to be a really difficult thing I think to do. And that's why I kind of feel like he's in this world where he's like, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to make this the thing that, an echo chamber yeah. and, and, and get revenue off of, uh, off of that world and shrink this thing down to enough that maybe I can eke out a profit or break even. But like, you know, uh, I mean, he's certainly going to save some server costs because there's going to be far less people on there. Yeah. And cost some cuts there, but like, yeah, it's really a mystery. It doesn't, from a a, business perspective, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's a slow motion implosion. Yeah. Piece by piece. So let's talk alternatives, you know, because, you know, threads came out and it, you know, of course came out hot, but it's slowing down now. Yeah, you know, like you know, and it's of course a, you know a meta product. You know, like I say they attached it to Instagram so that they could make user sign up easy. And was it Dorsey's got Blue Sky? I think it is. You know, so he's got an yeah. alternative. There's been the what's the other one, Mastodon or whatnot. Um, yeah. Like 
you know, so there's some alternatives that where the platforms are designed in a similar fashion. Do we see people adopting those platforms? Which one might stand out and stuff? You know, because obviously Dorsey built Twitter yeah. is, you know, or was a, a, you know, one of the co-owners and such. So can he get traction? You know, but even Twitter wasn't making money. <laughs> you know, so yeah. we're running it. So there's two, there's, I, with these competitors, and I've been on all of them, and, you know, a couple others are Post, uh, which is what I actually really like, and Spoutable, which is mostly for progressives, but is a pretty close Twitter clone. But here, the problem that I've seen with both those guys and then also with Threads from Meta, um, on the, the smaller guys who came out first, the problem's been capacity. They, I think, have all probably come out too early because they saw the opportunity, but they couldn't scale because yeah. they were new platforms and you know it's a huge engineering feat to be able to compete with Twitter. So yeah. they all did that and then there were wait lists and look like the attention span of people is is minuscule. Yeah. So if you're you know if you can't be out like it honestly would be better to wait because you'll have your moment and like there's gonna be one moment that's gonna be huge. Yeah. And if you aren't ready for it you know, it, it's not going to, it's going to be a struggle. And I think that's what we've seen with these guys. And then the flip on, uh, on meta or meta's threads, yeah. they had the capacity and they were hugely successful out of the game, right? Like it was like a hundred million users in a, mm -hmm. yeah, like three days or days, something like, yeah, three days, like nothing, no doubt, no app had ever been downloaded at that rate, like nothing. Mm -hmm. But the problem that they are facing um, and it is a conscious decision that they made is that they did not want to focus on news and politics or live events. They wanted it to be more of a like cultural, more like basically a, um, a text version of Instagram. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of problems with that. One, nobody wants that. Yeah, um, news, news and politics drive the conversation. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. you, if you want to, if you want to launch a real time app and you want to compete with Twitter, you need to compete with the best of Twitter which is onboarding all of those all of those news folks, all of those people who are using Twitter the way it was meant to be used, creating a pseudo threat, you know, version doesn't work. Like I can't tell you, there's been several people I've, I've read things from and myself, like if a breaking news happens, you, you can't find it on threads yeah. because they're not prioritizing. And they focused on this, all these celebs. And I'll be honest, most celebrity social is awful. And yeah. so it's run by an agency or a person. Yeah. Like they don't have the time to, yeah. They don't do it. Right. Time. Because they don't have the time. And then you just, you had, it was such an off, inauthentic, uh, all of a sudden you're seeing all these people, I'm so glad to be on threads. And then they didn't post again. Like it was like, yeah. it was almost like they were paid to do one. And then that was it. So yeah. I, you know, I, I really wished, and I think threads still has a chance, but they've got a course correct or it's just going to be nothing. Um, yeah. And then I think we're going to be looking at niche audiences for all of them like post is a cool one for long form content and you can actually pay people for their posts so which is really mm. interesting blue sky's got a good community with it but it, they're having a hard time growing because again like they haven't opened the floodgates and yeah. you know i you know you, you just gotta it's a, it is a tough balance but i think it also points to the fact that i think this is where all two both of our horns like marketing needs to be in the decision making around product because there has to be someone that's like, guys, like you got to be ready, but there's also a moment. Like, how do we, yeah. you know, cause otherwise you're going to fail. 
Yeah, and anything with social, like you say, because I mean, we've had social platforms for so long and, you know, you get ones that get traction and you get others that don't. And, you know, like you said, you know, if you don't have, aren't ready for an onrush, you know, and it could be server capacity and things like that, a technical nature, if they open up the floodgates, then they crash the site. Yeah, in which case, then you have a bad experience and then people don't come back. If, you know, so it's a really hard from a social, you know, like Facebook has a, obviously the resources. They can open, right. you know, floodgates, but then they're not paying attention. They really should have done their homework more, you know, about what actually worked about Twitter. You know, it's like, say, why did people even go there to begin with? Because of the things that were prioritized. You can't tell me they can't make their own algorithm, you know, prioritize those same things. You know, so that you see more news, you see headlines, you see, you know, yes, political yeah. you know, discussions. and But those are the things that drove conversation that got people interested and such. And then if you're prepared to do the policing end of it, you know, knowing that, you know, that that's going to come up too, then you could have, you know, a really good platform. I mean, here's the reality. Like, people like to be places that seem active and busy and engaged. Yeah. The people who build that are the news, the politics, live events. And then that allows for smaller communities to move up because all of a sudden you're like, oh, there's all these people here. I'm going to do my thing here too. But if you just get a list of threads that like makes no yeah. sense and you're like, who's well, this? And you know, it, it's, it's, it's a challenge. And I yeah. think they made a huge mistake with, with that rollout. Yeah. It's a conversation platform. You know, Instagram people engage because they want to see the imagery and the videos and things like that. And that's what they do with TikTok. And, you know, so, but the, Twitter has never been that. Yeah, they expanded how long, you know, the character counts were and stuff and that you could post video. But, you know, ultimately it was still, a, you know, a conversational platform. So it's text based more than anything. Yeah. And so you've got to be, you know, you have to have things that get people to engage with that, you know, that conversation and want to be part of it because that's not what happens on an Instagram. You know, you like photos and stuff and somebody's vacation thing or the food they ate or whatever, you know, like, you engage with it individually, but you're leaving a comment and stuff. You're not, you know, like I say it's they, and that's where I think Zuckerberg, he like failed because he didn't understand the differences, you know, of what you already have and what this is. And it's never been the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's totally right. And I think that they are trying to meta to put the meta, you know, approach onto a live platform. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And you just, you can't, if you algorithm everything to death, like you're going to kill you, you just aren't going to be successful and they're not right. Their, their, their exit rates uh, are astronomical. Yeah. Um, and that's in their all and the reason obviously is because people are not engaged on the platform because they're not prioritizing that. And that is a yeah. huge problem. Yeah. Zucker, you know, it always amazes me how the billionaires always think they, you know, because of their success, you know, obviously, but they think they know better than everybody else. I mean, Zuckerberg might be able to figure it out. I know um, Herdy was, you know, didn't want to do the cage match with Musk. So, you know, <laughs> so he's got a little extra time, you know, to devote to it. Um, you know, but otherwise, like I say, I think X is going to be a slow, you know, fade away over time. You know, it stays in the news because Musk tries something new that fails, you know, dramatically. <laughs> and that's what the, the part that makes the news. So it's the only thing like keeping it relevant to any degree right now. Yeah, so I know. And I will I just for fun, uh, that that ridiculous cage match thing that was <laughs> that was proposed. By the way, Zuckerberg would destroy 
musk at that. He is like an actual yeah, like, isn't jiu-jitsu he? Like, yeah. practicer and has done it for years and Elon doesn't do anything. Yeah. So it, it's, you know, yeah. I just, I just have to say it because like the ego on Elon to think that he could actually like do anything in that arena, it would be very bad for him, which points to, again, his decision-making choices. But I'll tell Twitter. you what, it's like, you know, you yeah, put it on pay-per-view and I'll tell you what, a lot of people might buy that one just for the, just for the comedy of it, you know, to see, you know, kind of must put I it think in you're place. right. But, <laughs> but yeah, Zuckerberg, I know. Yeah. Jiu-Jitsu or whatever, you know, he's, he, he's done martial arts for years. I think he was in South Korea recently or something. You know, yeah. And for a contest that were going on and everything. So yeah, Zuckerberg would win that one. You know, this has been a great conversation. Um, you know, if somebody needed your marketing expertise, because you've worked with a lot of, you know, a number of big organizations and such, how would people get a hold of you? Yeah, I mean, the, really the best way is go to uh, my website, which is fullertonstrategies.com. Uh, Fullerton, like the city. Uh, or, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn under Tim Fullerton. Uh, I'd be happy to talk to anybody on either of those platforms. Okay, well, this has been great. Again, I'm Cash Miller, the host of Marketing Masters, CEO of Titan Digital. We've had, a, you know, we've been talking Twitter X, you know, what has become of it and uh, some of the alternatives that are out there, but, you know, they've got some drawbacks as well. You know, so if you're thinking of advertising those routes, be very careful right now because the, the landscape is a lot different. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.